Father, I pray that you would come and send the message this morning for everybody that you've intended to. Let the ears of those that were meant to hear open and the hearts of those that were meant to receive be open to receive. That, Father, those that came here with wounds and problems be able to address those with you and that as a community we can grow. In Jesus' name, amen. So before anything else, this morning I need to be able to give you guys an image. Um, it's crucial to everything else I'm going to be talking about this morning. So I want you guys to imagine a Christian as a chisel or a knife or any kind of utensil that requires being sharpened to be effective. It can still work if it's not sharp, but it will never be as efficient as it is if it's fully sharpened. Because right now, we are um, quite large as a body of Christ. In 2011, they pulled a, st uh, they did a survey that said that we were about almost 8 million Protestants in Canada. In 26, the, uh, the Pew Research, uh, 2013, the Pew researchers said that we were 26% of the total population. I don't know about you guys, but I can't tell that 26% of us are Christian. That's both saddening and worrisome to me because it proves to me that part of the body is extremely lukewarm and not sharp, very dull. Um, and that, that, that's, when I say that, I'm not talking about passion as a, you know, as a community. I'm talking about all of Canada. This is a big problem that I believe we can fix one step at a time by becoming better people and a better community. We can impact other Christians outside of our reach and outside of the walls here. Um, David Kinnaman wrote a book called Unchristian, What a New Generation Really Thinks About Christianity, in which he went and he polled atheists and uh, people who don't believe in anything spiritual and asked them what they thought about Christians as a whole. And he got uh, a list of things, um, a, a list of about six things were the biggest ones that I figured really needed to be addressed. Number one, people think that we're extremely hypocritical. We like to talk a lot. We don't like to do a lot. Number two, we're very focused on converts. Now, this is something we see a bit more on uh, in bigger churches than in smaller churches like ourselves. But I've experienced this where they have goals of uh, recruited Christians a week. They want people to come to salvation, and they see it as a goal instead of, you know, a salvation. It's a life. It's somebody. There's a story behind it. It's not just a number or a type. We're very sheltered. A lot of them consider us out of touch with reality. A lot of times we're not curious enough about the world, and we kind of blanket everything saying, well, God, you know, God made the universe. I don't need to know anything about it because God. And that makes us unrelatable to them because they think that whenever we're going to be talking about something, we're just going to be, our answer is going to be Jesus. Our answer is going to be God. We don't know anything about anything to them. It's not always true, but that's the way they perceive us. We're too political. We're not focused enough on the kingdom of God, and we're too focused on the kingdom of the office of government of Canada. Like Tony said before, Jesus was neither conservative nor liberal, and we're allowed to be conservative or liberal, but that shouldn't be our entire agenda when we talk to people. That should be a part of us. We're allowed to be different, but it shouldn't be everything that we discuss. We're too judgmental. I think everybody here has experienced that at one point or another. We like to gossip and slander. 
unfortunately, it happens. Everybody has met somebody or been on the receiving end of gossip or insults. Or they've met somebody that doesn't go to church anymore because they were too hurt or injured by something that somebody has said about them at one point or another. Not only does that fragment the body of Christ because there's people who are born again that don't go to church anymore, it also gives an extremely bad image when you see somebody who's been deeply damaged by other humans, by people that were considered brothers and sisters, to people who don't understand that we're supposed to be a family. So it's a lot of negativity. It's a lot of things that we need to change across the globe. And I believe that, like I mentioned earlier, these things are big and imposing, but they're going to be uh, addressed on a much smaller level. I'm talking about not church level, I'm talking about relationship level. So there's two ways that I've perceived that we can sharpen ourselves. There's personal sharpening, and uh, in my own jargon, I call it uh, corporate sharpening. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start with personal sharpening. So first off, it's not hard to understand that Christians are being uh, less Christ-like than they should be in the society that we live in. Um, we have a culture that's very anti-God. We have a culture that glorifies just about everything that God has said over and over again was not good. Um, for example, culture says that greed is good. Luke 12, 15 says to beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has abundance does what his life consists of his possessions. Culture tells us violence, drunkenness, laziness, being an aggressive or uh, person with a, you know, that, that intends to harm others is normal. It's glorified in pop culture. We see it in movies. We see it in, uh, on the radio and songs. You know, you look at hip-hop as a whole. People get famous for being, you know, bad. So we, we have to become conscious that this is an outward source, an outward pressure that's constantly on us. We're not aware of it. We'll never be able to fight it off. If we can't fight it off, we're going to let it influence us. And if these things are influencing us, that means that we're not going to be forgiving. We're going to, be, we're going to hold grudges. We're not going to be loving because we're going to be angry all the time. We have to be careful. And these things uh, require time. You have to be able to take the time and self-analyze and say, What's, what, what can I improve? What can I change? What is going on in my life that I could maybe prune out or maybe uh, adapt or maybe change to make it so that I could be more like Christ? So that's where spiritual discipline, something that uh, the one students of the pipeline have been uh, reading about, that I think this is extremely important that everybody should know about this, not just students. So spiritual discipline is what I like to think of as turning good thoughts and intentions into actions. You want to pray more. You want to worship. You want to read your word. Well, spiritual discipline is doing these things. These things not only do they encourage you to be closer to God because you're doing these things that he's telling us and that Jesus to, to do and that Jesus himself did, it's encouraging us to become more like Jesus, which means we're going to be a brighter light in the dark. So the spiritual disciplines, the, there's an enormous list if you look at it. The ones that I thought today were more um, relevant, uh, I have a small, again, another list. Uh, first one, worship. 
worship is extremely important. Uh, like Tony said earlier, in heaven, that's what we're going to be doing. It, God made us to worship. God made us for communion and worship. Uh, in, in the Bible, we have the example with a Samaritan woman in John 4.23, where Jesus says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Would we go out of our way to worship God for all that he is? We are stepping into identity. That's what God seeks. He's looking for us to do that. Prayer. Prayer is so important that Jesus was praying when the Romans came with Judas to get him. You know, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he thought, he knew it was coming, but he needed to pray. That tells me something, that prayer is so important that Jesus was willing to put everything else on hold. You know, they're coming for me. I'm, I ran out of time. I can't do any more. I'm going to go pray. You know, and oftentimes we find ourselves in situations where we don't have the time to pray. So we tell ourselves an excuse. It's a lie we believe. But it's extremely important. And it needs to be a center hold in our lives to be able to really get to be closer to God. Fasting. If Jesus did it for 40 days and 40 nights, I think we can fast one day a week or one day every other week to really center ourselves in Christ and really be able to tell ourselves, well, flesh, you're going to take the side today and I'm going to worship God through prayer and worship, and I'm going to tell myself I will be in lack for God to have all my attention. Reading the Word. Again, we have this, this lie that tells us that we can't read the Bible every single day. And uh, sometimes life can be, you know, a little hectic, and we give ourselves excuses and reasons. But I don't think there's any real reason why we should not be able to open the book and read at least one chapter of anything that God found so important that he made it not only be written down, but he made it survive thousands of years to get to us. It's God's divine word, and he made it so that nothing could happen to it over these years. And I think that a single chapter is a very reasonable thing to, to, to make time for. I'm not saying it's the golden standard. Read more if you want. I do, and I encourage others to but I feel like it's a very strong minimum. Fellowship. Jesus went around with 12 other dudes every day for three years. He was fellowshipping every single day with some of his best friends. And if that doesn't tell me that this is important, because anybody who lives in the modern world knows that how hard it is to have 12 good friends. And I think that we should be able to uh, put a little more energy into that reestablish what's important and what's not. And this is extremely important because this will go into my second point later. And very importantly, and I feel like this stems into everything, gratitude. Being able to say thank you even when things are hard. When things are completely out of hand, you don't have any idea which way is up anymore, but you're still going to say, God, you're with me, and I thank you. Because everything I'm going through is going to bring your name glory. I'm going to end up becoming stronger and better and wiser because you never left me. In Philippians 4, 4 chapter 4, verses 6 to 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, 
Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He's telling us, when you're having a hard time, pray. Give thanks. And let your, 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 your needs be known to him. And with his peace, which is divine, you can't understand it, he will take care of everything. And as I've experienced in my own life, giving your anxiety to God itself could be an entirely different discipline. It's a lot harder than it sounds. It takes effort to be able to do that. It takes conscious, um, a, a conscious will to be able to get that through. And all this comes through in James 1, 24, verse about being doers of the word. In these verses, in these, these, these excerpts, God tells us that these things are important. And he cements that in the book of James by telling us that prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he is. If we aren't doers of the word, we'll get lost. We'll start succumbing to habitual sin. We'll start struggling with self-worth and all these things that the enemy loves to stab at us every day. And by focusing on God and being doers of the word and being able to walk into a, a, a aspect of walking with God, it, literally doing this is walking with God and walking in the footsteps of Jesus himself. And it focuses us on things that are other than what the enemy wants us to focus on. So that's personal sharpness. I believe that if everybody were to spend time into focusing on this, we'd be a whole lot stronger as an international community. Hands down, if everybody took the time to pray, took some time to fast, read the word every day, they'd be cemented in God's word and would be able to be a whole lot stronger in, in, in the world when confronted by people who don't believe. They'd be able to show the uncon unconditional love of God. They'd be able to walk in such confidence that no matter what they're doing, God is with them. That just that would be a lighthouse in the dark compared to a single candle. The next aspect is community, sharpening one another. So you've sharpened yourself, and you can only do so much. Now you have your friends and your, the people who are closest to you. you know, we're, we're one family here at Passion, but everybody has little subclicks, people that they're closer to. It, it's natural. You've got people that you get along with better and that you'll probably spend a little more time with out of church. These people you love, simply put, and anybody you love, you want the best for. So if you're walking with God and you see that somebody you love who is also walking with God is having a hard time, it's your responsibility to be able to say, I'm going to help you out. You're struggling with forgiveness. You're struggling with anger or pride. I'm going to help you out. Lovingly, of course. I'm not saying throw the Bible at them. <laughs> Discipline and accountability is a large part of the solution. And in Proverbs 27, 17, this is my key verse for this, 
it's very well known. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We need one another to stay healthy. We need one another to stay strong. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, oh, everything's going wrong, I don't know what to do. Marisol's been there to be like, look to Jesus, look to God, stop everything you're doing and just pray. And it's changed the way I see things because before when I, when I felt anxiety start to kind of cave in around me, I wasn't looking up, I was looking down. I'd look at my shoes and they'd just get lost and I couldn't know which way was right or front. But being able to have somebody who is very close to me come and remind me that I need Jesus in this moment took the darkness away and allowed me to refocus on Christ. And then I'd be able to say, you know what? My situation is not out of his hand. And even in the dark place I was just in, Jesus was still there with me and he never left. And I'm still going to be able to walk forward. This situation sucks. It's not fun. I'm going to keep my head held, my head held high and I'm going to keep walking forward because that's going to bring glory to the Lord and that's going to get me out of this situation. So like I said, we're, we're one body. You know, there's, a, there's a, an excerpt in the, in the Bible that compares us to a human living body. You know, some people are the hands, some people are the legs. But we each have gifts that allow us to function fully. You know, we've got people who can preach. We've got people who can sing. We've got people who, in my opinion, are even more important. They're community leaders. They're people who don't have a place on the stage, but behind the scenes go and make youth groups and small groups and go grab coffee with fellow Christians and they make sure that everybody's taken care of on the inside because they love one another. And that's something that we don't often talk about, but I feel is even more crucial because, you know, a preacher preaches on Sunday, a worship leader sings on Sunday, but communities seven days a week. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, as each one has received a special gift, Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Our gifts, are we can use them for ourselves. But what this verse tells us is that we need to be able to use them for one another. You know, if you look in, in old times, like the Roman army, for example, the reason they were so strong is because of the way that their equipment worked and how shoulder to shoulder they were. Nothing could go through. And they had strategies and techniques that took use of that, and it was like a wall. And, and the Bible tells us that we have, you know, the armor of the Holy Spirit. And that's how it should be. We should be shouldering one another. When someone falls, you take that spot, you bring them back up, and you keep going forward. Because these aren't just people you go to church with. These are your family. And you focus on the smallest aspect of it, the little group, you love these people. And you love them seven days a week. You love them every single moment that you have, and you want the best for them. So when they fall, you want to pick them back up. And if we focus on doing that with the people closest to us, let's say we have six or seven different groups of individual friends here, then the whole church has somebody that's holding them accountable and bringing them back up when things are hard. And suddenly the whole church is fighting full force where all cylinders rolling, going 100 miles, uh, you know, we're just 
at the maximum efficiency that we can get. And it wasn't because we had a guest speaker and it wasn't because we decided that we're going to have an epiphany all of a sudden. It's just because we're a healthy, strong community that loves one another like Christ had intended in such a way that we're pushing each other to greater and greater things. Loving accountability. Like I said, we have to hold each other accountable, but if you do it out of a place that's not love, it's just criticizing. <laughs> and nobody likes to be criticized. So we have to learn to be able to say things and really establish things in such a way that you is absolutely known that I am doing this because I love you. When Marisol criti criticizes me, for something I've done, sometimes my pride gets in the way. But I always end up putting it aside because I know that she's doing it because she loves me. And that she's not saying these things to be mean or because she wants to put me down. I know that she's doing this because she wants me to be a better man and she wants me to be everything that Christ said that I would be. That I was going to be humble and loving and generous. All these things. So she's holding me accountable. In Romans 15.5, it says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, this is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We're to encourage one another and to love one another and to encourage good thoughts and good deeds. We're supposed to be accountable towards one another's spiritual disciplines. If you see somebody's lacking in prayer and all of a sudden they're having a bad time, encourage them to pray. If you know that somebody's not really uh, reading the Bible and you know that God has a special word for them in the word, encourage them to read. Point them in the right direction. When you love somebody, you want what's best. The same way that Jesus wants what's best for us and God wanted what's best for mankind by sending Christ, we are to be the stewards and representations of Christ on earth. And that doesn't just mean evangelizing as it often is represented. It means that in another aspect that we have to be together as one. Like I mentioned earlier, pride, personal pride in my case, but getting over our differences for the sake of unity and the glory of God because he desires a whole united family. So I mentioned how we should talk with love. We should also receive with love. Because pride can get in the way. And pride is the nasty thing in that you probably don't even notice that it's there oftentimes until you've been stewed in it for about half an hour and you realize that you're still in a bad mood. So becoming aware that you may struggle with pride will help you be able to overcome these hurdles and be able to accept the, uh, the correction or the, the challenging of one of your closest friends or family. Because I can preach all day about holding one another accountable, but if we're not ready to receive accountability, we're still not moving any forward. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that, that you all agree that there be no divisions among you, that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. So you take your personal disciplines, which is 
the same mind because that's what Jesus was encouraging us to do. And you put it everywhere. Everybody is reading their word, is fasting every now and again, is reading the word and is worship and all that. Everybody's doing it. We're in the same mind. We're united. We're all going from glory to glory, one step at a time. It's a journey we can never really complete because by the time we're done, we're going to heaven. But it's a journey that will allow the world to see that we as Christians are serving a God that is much more than hypocrites and people who are out of connection with the world and people who focus too much on politics or people who just insult one another all the time. Because when we're all on the same page, we end up looking like a drastically different picture. So my message wasn't too long this morning, and I'm going to uh, conclude it with uh, a verse uh, from Matthew 5, 14 to 16. And uh, I'm going to finish off by encouraging you guys, always encourage one another. To, to always be mindfully working towards greater things and that to, to walk arm in arm, metaphorically, towards greater things, knowing that you are part of something that will impact other Christians, that will be a positive image of Christ, that will be as biblical and as holy as God has intended. It's hard. It's not easy. It's something that takes a lot of effort and requires discipline, which is something that a lot of us may not really have all that much because culture. But if you take it one step at a time, you're able to get there. You know, they say it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, you have the rest of your life to get there. It's one little hurdle at a time that we get to be really stewards, proper stewards of Christ. In Matthew 5, 14 to 16, it says, You are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on the lampstand, the lampstand, and it gives a light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's not about us. In the end, it's all about Jesus, and it's all about the glory of the Lord. And it makes it more fun for us along the way because no one likes gossip and no one likes being alone. And no one likes dealing with life struggle on their own. I feel like it's a pretty good deal in the end. We get to be happier. We get to enjoy ourselves. We get to have friends that will be with, through us, uh, with us through thick and thin. And we get to go out in the street and people will visually and visibly be able to tell that there's something different about us. Because we're a violent opposition at everything that their culture tells them is okay. We're kind and generous. We're patient. You know, we're everything that this world says, this is good. This is what makes a man a man. This is what makes a woman a woman. We're none of that. So to cap, or recap, start off by our own growth individually. But that's only one part of the chart. A sword has two blades. Both as useful as the other. 
you need to be sharpened individuals. You need to be able to cut through on your own. But you also need to be able to cut through on the other end by having community where people are pushing themselves to bring you to greater lengths and you're bring, pushing them to greater lengths. That way we can be as efficient as possible, as bright a fire as possible.